verses 21 to 25. 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. We've been looking at 1 John and probably coming up the 1st of December, I'm going to have to stop because I have a Christmas series uh, that I'll be preaching on through Christmas, and then we'll pick up with 1 John again. So last week we looked at the fact that the Antichrist is coming, and uh, actually anyone, we learned last time, that anyone that opposes the gospel is in some sense an Antichrist. Antichrist always opposes the gospel, and therefore anybody that is opposing the gospel is in the camp of the Antichrist. Just to remind everybody that John sees life black and white. You either are or you aren't. There is no middle road. Uh, you're either on one side of the fence or the other. In 19, in chapter 1, or 1 John chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, we learn that uh, the believers are anointed by the Holy One. We talked about that. That could be the Holy Spirit. Most theological scholars, myself included, uh, believe this is a reference to Christ because of different mentions of him in Scripture. Therefore, as believers, we are secure. We are secure in our relationship with Christ based on faith in Christ. And at that point, when you are in Christ, you are in Christ, period. We're going to unpack this a little bit uh, more this morning. And he really builds on what we looked at last Sunday, particularly the one about the anointed one, that we have been anointed by the Holy One, Christ. And anoint really means to set apart, but also under the umbrella of God's protection. So as we unfold these verses this morning, 21 through 25, we're going to discover, first of all, that we know Jesus. We know Jesus. Look at verse 21. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. This is uh, several times John says, I have written or I am writing, and basically what that means is it's just a continuation of the letter. It's his pen. He is writing this and uh, letting the people know that this is not a fake document. Not because you do not know the truth. Uh, the Greek word there, truth, is aletheia. And it can refer to a historical event, but more than likely the truth is a reference to the gospel and to Christ. So if I read it to you this way, I write to you not because you do not know the Christ or the gospel, but I write you because you know it. John's readers were not ignorant of the truth. D. Edmund uh, Hybert, in his commentary, writes this, they can rest assured that he does not think that they must now, he must now impart to them some new interpretation of truth as revealed in the carnate Christ. Those of us here this morning that are saved, we know Christ. We know Jesus. We, we know that Jesus was uh, before the foundations of the world. We know that Jesus who was in heaven. He came down to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He took human flesh. 
which, by the way, the Gnostics in the gospel here or in John's writings, the Gnostics denied that Jesus had a physical body because the body was considered evil, which we would all agree that the sarks is evil. And there is a some sense in which the rest of the Christian life is trying to bring it under control. But the Gnostics said Jesus could not have had a uh, taken up residency inside a physical body because it was sinful. And the Gnostics, knowing ones, believe that the way to salvation is you get a special knowledge. And therefore you rise above the pollution of this world. And therefore you can sin as much as you want. Because the body is sinful. And John here says, I write to you because you know the truth. You have the truth within you. Not because you don't know it, but because you do know it. Oida. This word know means, refers to a comprehension, uh, comprehension of what is being taught. I, I don't know about you all, but math was always one of my worst subjects. I, I didn't like math. And <laughs> particularly stuff like this. I mean, I passed algebra when I was in college and uh, took some geometry and I passed it. But I'm not saying I liked it. And... There were times the professor would write something on the board and I'd go, what? It's like Greek to me. Believers do not live in that environment. Believers know the truth. You know the day that you trusted in Jesus Christ that your sins were forgiven, right? Everybody knows that. Believers know that. That your sin was taken care of at the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished. It meant that he paid for our sins in full. And when a believer trusts in Christ, and I'm not talking about just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, uh, truly trusting in Jesus Christ, at that moment, I would argue as the minister of, of God to the church, I would argue at that moment when the person means business with God, their sins are done. Complete. So at that point in your Christian life, you are then under the umbrella of grace, which, by, by the way, you can still sin and stumble under grace and still be right with God. That's not our goal in life. What is our goal in life? Our goal in life is to please the Father. It is not to live for ourselves. And John says, you know this. You know this truth. You know the reality of Christ. You have lived it. And by the way... The Old Testament predicted a day when the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit would be sent inward into the hearts of his people. Jeremiah 31, 34 to 34 says this, I will write my law on their hearts and minds. In the Old Testament, you have uh, laws which were external, the Ten Commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments. There's 715 or so laws in the, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible. But when it comes to Jesus, he will take what is external and put it internal. Jesus did this throughout his ministry. Jesus said, you have heard you should not commit adultery. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, 
if you have looked upon a woman with lust, you have committed adultery with her in your heart already and therefore are guilty. So there is this idea in which when, we, when the truth comes in us, it will grip us and we will know the truth and that truth will set us free. Pseudos, which is the word here John uses for lie. No lie is of the truth. And that word pseudos refers to falsehood. This was given to me by God. I wrote it down. I'm going to say it. Truth cannot be mixed with falsehood and remain the truth. It was one of those moments in my study. It's like a flash. Truth cannot be mixed with falsehood and remain the truth. One more time. Truth cannot be mixed with falsehood and remain the truth. The Gnostics, which John is writing against here as he's writing this letter, the Gnostics believed that Jesus was the Son of God but denied his humanity. That is false. Because if Jesus is not fully God and fully man, he is not the Savior. And so when Jesus came to this world, he took on a physical body like ours, who knows everything about you, who knows every temptation that you face, and we face so many temptations. Our world is a mess right now. And our young people are growing up in a culture which is infinitely more dangerous than the culture that I grew up in in the 60s and 70s. There's so much, even perversion in God's pulpit in America today. People claiming to be pastors when really they're not. And so when you come to the word of God, you have to divide it. Uh, Paul says, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is, rightly going through the scriptures and letting the scriptures speak rather than having a approach, I'm going to take my ideas and put it on top of the Bible and make it fit. And that's what the Gnostics were doing. The Gnostics were mingling a little truth with a little falsehood, and therefore, when that happens, it is no longer the truth. Then he mentions here the Antichrist, 22 and 23a. Who is the liar? But he who, here, here is the key, here is the key. Who is the liar, but he who denies Jesus is the Christ. The Antichrist is he who denies the Father and the Son. First of all, just a few observations here. The word denies, reneomai, which means to say one does not know about or is in any way related to a person or an event. You know, when I was reading this, I thought about um, the rock, Peter. Do you remember Peter? How many times did he deny Christ? Three times. And yet Peter wrote two great epistles.
there is this idea of denying and accepting. Matthew 10, 32, 33, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before the Father who is in heaven. Listen, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you and particularly in our church, when uh, people want to you know, accept Christ, they, they come forward, me and, and maybe a couple of our deacons will gather around and, and we'll pray and, and they will receive Christ. That is confessing him before men. And baptistry, and, and when we do a baptism, baptism is not salvation. Baptism is simply symbolic of we have died to Christ and we've been raised again in the newness of Christ. And therefore, at that point, we're making a public declaration of our faith. Let me say this. Every day, every day as we live our lives, we go to Walmart, we go to all different places. I'm not trying to say Walmart's holy. I'm just saying we all go there. I'm sure we do. Or wherever we go in life, we have opportunities to profess Jesus Christ before a lost and dying world. And, more importantly, I'm pretty confident that everybody in this room knows the truth. You know the gospel. The gospel is for everybody. The gospel is for every lost person. And sometimes we need to put ourselves in check when we get so angry, and I do it too, we, we get so angry at what we see happening in the culture that we stand back and we condemn. And the action should be. But you've got to remember who has the person. And that's where we have to... If you want to transform the culture, you have to transform hearts. And the only way that we can transform hearts is by sharing the gospel and letting Christ come in and do a revelation change inwardly so that our culture begins to shift. Rather than sitting back, yelling at the TV, throwing popcorn at it, get out there and tell people about Jesus. That is our mission. That's what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. And we, I think we have opportunities every day. And I, people say, well, Pastor, I don't have opportunities every day. I think you do. I, I think all of us have opportunities to share the gospel. And we need to be doing that because their eternity is at stake. No person, no Christian should ever go, I hope that person dies without Christ. It's going to make us enemies. Because when we say Jesus is the way, we are not saying Jesus is a way. One is definitive, one is open for debate. So when you go out there and you tell them that Jesus is the way, that there's no other way to God except through Christ, you're going to encounter pushback. And when that happens, when that happens, you step back and you pray for that person so that they can know the truth because they've been fed a lie. I am unapologetically, I believe that the only way to heaven 
goes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And there's no other way, no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. Now, uh, a look at this, these false believers, and I'm kind of going back through what we've already covered, so just bear with me. Number one, claim, these unbelievers claim fellowship. If we say we have fellowship, but we walk in darkness, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, the lie, they lie in the, and they are not of the, of the light. They are just not. These are, these are people that... Uh, let, me, let me say this. Let me just say this. The sinner's prayer never saved anyone. The sinner's prayer is a means by which you receive Christ. But in my 30-some years of ministry, I've wondered how many people I said, pray this prayer, and really didn't mean it in their heart. That's the key. The, the key is, if the person means business with God, at that moment they are saved. But I've, I've met a, a lot of people that say that they're saved, but when you look at what's going on, it, 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 it leaves questions, at least in my mind. If, if you're a believer, how can you... I go back to when I was in Bible college years ago, and there was a man that broke down and cried in class, and he said, for, for 25 years I ran from God's calling. And we all surrounded him and, and, and prayed for him. But then I, I wonder about the real moment of salvation. When I was in that army chapel at Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas, and the chaplain was leading me to saving faith in Christ, I've never lost that. I still see that little chapel. And I remember that day trusting in Christ. And then I went and told my, my buddies that I would go to the bars and hang out with. I went back and told them that I got saved and they looked at me like I was from Mars. I just wonder, I just wonder. But I do believe that when somebody trusts in Jesus Christ and it's real, they are saved. A second thing, claim sinlessness. Remember the Gnostics, we're claiming that they were out without sin. Gnosticism is still alive and well today. It's just in different forms. Well, how do you know I'm a sinner? Well, right here. But see, the problem is they don't believe this. And so I've actually witnessed to people, and they say, well, I'm not, I'm not a sinner because I don't believe in God. And I go, well... If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the aletheia is not in us, John writes. Number three, they claim the light. He who says he is in the light but hates his brother is a liar. And the truth, the aletheia is not in him. This is why, and I know we're missing some people today, but this right here, we need to love one another. Because when you go out there, 
It's a different world. People don't like us. And so this needs to be a house of love where we treat each other with love and concern. The Antichrist, verse 23a, the Antichrist denies the Father and the Son. Of course he does. We know this. We've studied it. We've, we've gone through it. But I just want to remind us this morning of this fact. The reason that the Antichrist, or can I say it this way, Satan, the devil, mostly Satan, that's the way I address it. He is devil, but he's Satan. Of course he denies him. Do you know why he denies him? Because he's going to send a delusion on the world to make himself God. Actually, the scriptures say that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. The Antichrist, remember, is anybody that opposes the gospel message who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes the seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Praise be to God, we're going to be out of here before that happens. So, of course, Satan's going to deny Jesus. He's going to deny the Holy Spirit. He's going to deny God the Father. Of course he is. Because he wants to take the role of God. And in our culture today, he does have people believing that there is no God. Satan is so tricky. He is so tricky. Let me remind the church this morning that Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is a relationship. We know that because we walk with him every day. And we see the effects on our culture and we see our world. John was writing us, he was genuinely concerned about his readers, that they were hanging on to the truth, standing fast in the truth. And brothers and sisters, more than any time in my ministry years, today is a day in which we must let the anchor hold in our lives. Because there's so much false stuff out there. But not only do we know Jesus, praise God, right? We know him, praise God. We have eternal life. Look at verse 23b. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Eternal life begins when confession is made. John could have written this any way he wanted to, but he, he put confession first. 23b, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Confesses, homo lugal, which means to express allegiance to someone. And in this case, it is expressing allegiance 
to Christ. I like what David Walls wrote in his commentary about this. A person cannot have the father without having the son, nor can he or she have the son without having the father. To accept or reject one is to accept or reject the other. Again, the issue is kind of straightforward for John. You're either here or you're here. There's no fence straddling. You come down in one or two camps. I have met atheists I remember a man that I had been witnessing to years ago in my first church, first full-time church. I showed up at at stage four cancer. And I showed up at his door and in his room in the hospital. He saw back in those days I wore a suit and tie. Now I'm more friendly. stood in the doorway and he said are you a preacher and I said yes sir he said I can't tell you exactly what he told me but it was about the Bible he said you can put that Bible out on the nurse's station then you can come in I don't want you to pray for me I don't want you to talk religion to me and I, there was a bunch of stuff and his uh, was a member of our church was a relative and so I took my Bible set it outside walked in Ask him how he was doing. About a 30-minute conversation. I said, do you mind if I come back and visit you again? He said, that's fine. And I brought my Bible the next time right at the door. I put my Bible outside. And through a series of events, he said, you don't have to leave your Bible. At that point, he was actively dying. 10 o'clock at night, snowing in Akron, Ohio. A drive to the Akron General took me 12 minutes, normally. In the snow, it took me 45 minutes. I reached the hospital, and I went in, making my way through the family members, got on the bed with him, and asked them if he could hear me to squint his eyes, and he did, and I led him to saving faith 45 minutes before he died. You may have a tough one out there. You may have a tough one out there, but do not give up. Love them. Show them that you care for them. And I believe that when people get to the reality that their life is short here, that you may have the opportunity to share the gospel. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. I am the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. We have the right Savior. We have the right Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And John says, whoever confesses the Father has the Son, and we're, we're good. Verse 24, let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in, uh, abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. This word abide, meno, sometimes means to take up residency. But here, it refers to remaining in the same place over a long period of time. This is critical. In the culture in which we live, which is constantly trying to pull away from us, we absolutely must make our stand for the gospel and not move from it. Not be moved by political opinion or by however these social swings, the winds of change blow, that we must remain faithful. Uh, this is a real easy this is a real easy bridge illustration. Romans 3.23, I bet you all of you can quote that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ dying on the cross, we come into eternal life. The wages of sin is death, that means separation from God, but eternal life in Jesus Christ. And then uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's fact. Do you know, this is, this is true. I want you to look it up. Google it or whatever search engine you use. Christianity is the only religion in the world that worships a risen Savior. We're the only one. Buddha, Muhammad, they're all dead. We are the only one that boasts a Savior who was once dead, but came back to life and is now reigning at the right hand of the Father. And someday we're going to cross that finish line and we're going to see our Savior face to face. Isn't that awesome? Curtis Vaughn. What other, whatever others may, may do, you on your part, let the message which you have known from the beginning of your Christian experience have a permanent place in your hearts. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hang in there. And by the way, I peeked at the end, and we win. Peeked at the end, and we win. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, which he's talking about, uh, if you have the Son, you also have the Father. You will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We are the branches, and we are connected to the vine, and therefore we will produce fruit for God. And we have the true vine. Several times Jesus said, I am the true vine. You are the branches. And so when we abide in Christ and we stay with him, we are part of his kingdom, and that kingdom will not fail ever. 
This should all be good news for us. And then there's, lastly, there is a promise in verse 25. And this is the promise that he made to us. Eternal life. Epangelia, promise, that means a pledge. Something that is pledged. Uh, we make pledges all, all the time. We have American Heritage Girls, which runs tonight, and they have their pledge that they do. And then we have the Trail Life USA Boys next Sunday night, and we have a pledge. And I just make sure to tell them that their, their arms should be like this, do it right. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. And so we make pledges. Um, back in August, I joined the Champaign-Urbana Astrological Society and made a pledge uh, to that organization, which I, I love the planets. I love looking at the planets. I, I just find it fascinating. And it, 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 it's always interesting because now I'm starting to make connections with people in that program. Several connections. And when I look at Jupiter or I look at Saturn, I look at what God did. I see it. I have a totally different view of what was in this universe. And when I look at it, I go, wow, look what, look what God did. And I've got three or four now that I am making connections with to where someday soon in the near future, I want to have the opportunity to share the gospel with. I have one, one guy, he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor. And I looked at him and I said, usually that's the kiss of death. <laughs> when, when you tell somebody that you're a pastor. But he said, no, no, it's all right. And I logged that in. Any groups that you're in, any people that you come in contact with, you have an opportunity. But you have to be nice You have to be nice with them. It's crazy. Some of the ways people try to evangelize people. Build a relationship first. Let them know that you love them. And then you're free to move about the country and share the gospel. The reason we do this is because we know we have eternal life and we want other people to have eternal life. I love this word, Ioninos, Ioninos, which is eternal. Listen to this. This is the literal Greek translation. Unlimited duration of time. Eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternal life begins the moment you accept Jesus Christ. You are living eternal life right now. It's like one day you're talking to God, you die, and you're still talking to God because you've already trusted in him. Zoe is the word for 
alive, and that means to be alive. You can be alive and be dead spiritually. I love this verse, these verses. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And that includes yourself. I got, in, I got into an argument one time with another pastor who doesn't quite see things the way that I do. And he said, well, you can jump. And I said, well, if you jump out, that means you were never saved to start with. But you can't remove yourself from the kingdom of God once you've trusted in Christ because you're secure. I feel bad for people that believe God is just waiting for them to mess up. And I've met people like that. I've met Southern Baptists like that. That if you don't toe the line, then I, I, my argument with them is, then what was Jesus doing on the cross? He was towing the line because I could not toe the line. And neither can you all the time. How many of you, how many of you sinned this week? Wow. Okay, we have an altar. No, you're going to. That's not your goal though, right? Your goal is to live for him. But you're going to sin. I'm going to sin. We're all going to sin. But the problem is, for true believers, they are covered by the blood of Christ. And no man can take you out of his hand. Period. End of discussion. I'm banking my eternity on this. And which is one reason why God established the grace in my heart early on. And I had godly mentors when I first started in Bible college who taught me, you are under grace. And that should really give us good news today. Conclusion, you know Christ, don't you? You know Jesus. You've walked with him. Walk with him, talk with him. We know Jesus. Those of you that have trusted in Christ, you know him. And by the way, let me say this. <laughs> you don't know him completely. But someday when you cross the finish line and you see him face to face, 